Gold doesn't like the 1600s, doesn't like the 1800s. Which way will it go? We'll talk about it. Bitcoin, uranium, catching a lot of bids. California solar laws, New York taxes, New York marijuana laws. What in the heck is going on on the coast? We'll talk about another capital attack. We'll talk about Philip Adams and the mainstream press's lack of coverage um, for that horrific, horrific shooting. A lot to get into. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, live from the field, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 112 of Bizarro World. Nick, where do you find yourself this morning, sir? The field, Gerardo, is, is in my parents' <laughs> basement, and so I was trying to find a quiet place because we're here for Easter, the first time we've traveled, of course, in uh, well over a year, and uh, my parents have a very, very large dog, a South African Mastiff that weighs 190 pounds. And Holy so, smokes! His name is Bruno, and he insisted that he sit next to me, and when Bruno insists... You yield. And so I have Bruno here with me. If he barks, I'm sorry. No worries at all. How are things? How are you? Good. Uh, I hope Easter was uh, good. We're recording early again this week because of travels and uh, holidays. So how was it for you? It was phenomenal. It was fantastic. Um, great time with the family. I had some family fly in from Chicago. Um, good. You know, our, our, our 18-year-old turned 18 over the weekend. So a lot going on, a busy time, and thankful for all of it. Thank you for asking. That's a big one. Excellent. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Let's get right to it. Um, you know, before we get into the markets and before we get into gold and rates and everything that we usually do, I, I, I got to ask you, you know, I traveled here about a week and a half ago. It was my first time on a plane in a year or so. Um, you obviously are in your parents' basement, right? Keeping you humble. Um, any observations, anything that you see, anything that stood out getting back out there now on a plane? I know you've been back and forth a few times, so you have a, a, a better perspective on that, but anything that stood out to you in light of, you know, the COVID world that we live in right now, but that we're coming out of apparently. It seemed like people were eager to get back to it. Um, I circled for the longest I ever have at the Spokane airport trying to get a parking spot. And mm. so I uh, was higher up in the parking garage than I'd been in the past three years. And so clearly people looking uh, to travel, taking up volume of parking spaces in, in the parking garage. Plane was uh, full except for the middle seat because it was Delta, though I've heard since we took our flight last week that Delta is now re is now selling the middle seat again. So um, it seems like people want to get out there. The uh, a rental car place was buzzing. The, the shuttles were buzzing. And um, yeah, it seemed like people were out. Things are still closed, right? Like the shops at the airport uh, were closed for the most part. I'm talking about like the retail shops and even some of the, the food uh places in the food court uh, were closed. So that was, of course, different. But uh, for the most part, it seems like uh, the reopening is here. I still see some uh, you know, headlines about uh, flare-ups here and there. But I think for the most part, what did I also read this week? Three million people a day now getting the vaccine. I mean, uh, almost uh, getting to like one in two adults pretty soon here will get their, have had their first jab. And so, um, it was good to see. It felt good. It didn't feel scary, right? You know, like last year when you mm. thought about traveling and you were like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. Like it wasn't scary at all. I mean, you had to keep your mask on, but that was about it. Yeah. Last year, I didn't even want to go inside of a supermarket. So a different world. I think we're definitely trending 
in the right direction, at least here in the U.S. I got to say, my, my my Canadian friends, um, unfortunately, do not share you know that opinion, and and they are not having the same experience up north. I know that um, Trudeau is catching a lot of heat up there for the rollout in Canada. The way that's gone, I've had people uh, tell me that you know at this pace they're going to get vaccinated in 2025. You know, somewhat sarcastically, obviously, but that is the feeling in Canada right now. And so, you know, all the best to my Canadian friends, everybody listening from up there. I hope um, people at least have the option soon to be vaccinated if they choose to go that route. Not having a choice, of course, is never a fun position to be in, in any case. Absolutely. And uh, at least in my opinion, more evidence coming out. Uh, uh, make the case for getting vaccinated. We've touched on it here, but the, these long-term implications, there was a study out this week saying, um, that a large amount of people that have been infected with COVID or, or COVID are showing long-term signs or symptoms of uh, mental and, and other things. And so um, mental deficiencies are higher propensity for mental illness, post-COVID, things like that. And so um, if you, especially if you haven't been infected yet, it's, if you can avoid uh, unknown long-term uh, consequences of the virus, I think that's a, that's an honest trade-off to make. And uh, another distinction, I guess, and, and then I'll be quiet because we touched on it last week a little bit, is um, the, the capacity to be pro-virus and uh, anti or um, opposed to a mandated virus or, or virus uh report cards or passports, you know, passports as yeah. we're calling to we're calling them now. So anyway, um, yeah, no, getting to the other side, I think. Excellent. Excellent. Well, that's great news. Um, let's talk gold. Doesn't want to go back to the 1600 level. Doesn't want to break through the 1700 level, but it's having itself a day. It's having itself a pretty decent week at 1757. As we speak, I wrote earlier that until we broke that 1755 level on a closing basis, um, I didn't believe the rally. We'll see if this holds um, into weekend silvers at 2550. I wrote that I need to see at least 2575 to believe that it can get back to 26 and maybe 27 and 28. Any thoughts on the levels there, Nick? Uh, Gold has had a good week. Uh, You saw rates pull back a little bit, but I don't think the uh, rate ascension that we've seen, call it, uh, I don't know, the past six months is done yet. Um, Rates, uh, 10-year yield gets to 175, pulls back a little bit. Now looks like it uh wants to go higher again as as bonds continue to uh deteriorate you know we're getting to the point where um well a couple of things i guess is is the thing you've often talked about is are these rates going to rise in uh, conjunction with gold which would be a reversal of the correlations that we've mm-hmm. uh, uh been seeing and uh the dollar is, is dancing around right did a great mm-hmm. job of uh head faking uh people out and so um i'd like to see what's going to happen and then i guess the last thing there is what's going to happen if the rates can get above 175 right because that's like new territory at least recently and then you have to start talking about uh yield curve control and that's like the wild card is the is the fed gonna uh step back in so those are the things i'm looking at but for now it looks like everything is sort of uh uh, i don't know a range bound as it were Agreed. Except for stocks, of course, which are going uh, higher. Everything is awesome. Kim Kardashian <laughs> is a billionaire. Sneaker resale valuations are at all-time highs. Are you aware of sneaker resale valuations, Mr. Hodge? Uh, only because I try to read 
Uh, <laughs> I tried to read. <laughs> interesting. I tried to read headlines throughout the week. And so I did read an article about sneakers. And uh, maybe more interesting to me than the prices themselves being up is that just the sheer capital moving into the, the sneaker game, right? Like, um, what was the example in the article I read? Uh, you know, a certain amount of uh, Nike Air Jordans are released, for example, 300 uh, pair, and they're all bought uh, immediately. And some of these are backed by, I mean, essentially, you got to call it private equity, right? <laughs> and so um, it's just crazy that uh, professional money, let's call it, or yeah, professional money is moving into the sneaker game, right? Just like it's moving into, well, where isn't it moving into? It seems like the professional money is in everything right now, with the exception of gold and gold stocks, right? I know many a gold bug. Um, and, and I tell you, they're frustrated. They, they, there's, there's a lot of frustration in the gold space, which, again, to me, kind of signals that we're probably near a bottom. But look, this consolidation, uh, we're coming into the ninth month here soon, right? And so it hasn't been um, a couple of months or just tax law selling as we're accustomed. It's It's been pretty sustained and, again, broken record, I know. But I don't believe that we see new all-time highs until gold is able to rise alongside of real interest rates. So we'll see. And and, and Bitcoin, you know, we got to talk Bitcoin's holding up well, uh, 57,000 as we record. Thoughts on Bitcoin? Uh, Bitcoin, Bitcoin strong. I mean, I think I looked earlier, it was at $57,000 for the same reason that that copper remains strong and and other commodities remain strong. Uh, Another infrastructure stimulus announced recently, which we uh, talked about. And so, yeah, no, Bitcoin, buy it, own it. Uh, Similar things with Ethereum, but um, maybe kick some dead horse stuff is like separate that like from the nfts and the shit coins right because they can't all be um eternal winners <laughs> everybody can't win everybody can't be a billionaire nick I, I don't not forever i like it i i i interacted with a fund manager on twitter this week and um pretty well followed one right and and i asked them uh gold or bitcoin what has more upside from these levels and his response to me was gold is dumb but i don't want to pick a fight <laughs> so that's well, the, that's the sentiment right now everybody gold is dumb and like uh it's a pet rock out of buffett's mouth until uh berkshire hathaway is buying it right so um you know when the when the trend reverses that fund manager will be buying gold his bottom line will necessitate it that's the way it works that's the way cycles work that's the way gold works um i'll tell you what else is working copper is working it's back at the 410 level we said when it hit 399 four dollars that we thought that would be a a just a quick consolidation and sure enough here we are Apparently headed higher, and I, I I firmly believe this year before the year is out, we see new all-time highs in the copper space. What are your thoughts, Mr. Hodge? The same thing I just said. I mean, yep. Uh, it, yep. and you can and you can divide it out. I mean, yeah. you can talk about fundamentals. You can talk about uh, the fact that commodities are just in the trend right now. But um, again, uh, massive infrastructure stimulus announced. Uh, electrification still going on. Uh, here's another interesting stat I read this week. Uh, Oh, there's Bruno. Hey, Bruno. To park a little bit. Um, guest of the pod. Uh, guest of the pod. Seven <laughs> percent of Americans report not having access to 
um, internet or not using the internet at all. And so that's not many percentage points away from like one in 10 people. And, um, and that's just like one thing, right? Um, as broadband expands, as, as all these things continue to expand, now we're going to turn all the uh, school buses into electric vehicles. And so every day there's a new headline that um, just screams, we need more copper, right? And, 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 and that's it. I'm, I was telling you before we started recording, after this, I'll go to my uh, hometown post office and and uh, mail some documents or, or scan some documents for uh, another copper private placement. And so uh, definitely putting my money where my mouth is, right? Same, same. And let's. Uh, I think that's a good uh, point to transition and segue into California's new solar law. Would you care to enlighten us? Yeah, and I can probably do two birds with one stone because I wanted to talk about uh, a Robin Hood as well. So uh, this California solar thing kind of like pissed me off while I was reading it um, back in the <laughs> yeah. day, like 2007, 2008, it was all about like incentivizing solar. Like you got to put solar on your roofs because X, Y, Z, it's more efficient. It's uh, green. It reduces your bill. It helps out the grid, all the reasons, right? And now here we are in 2021 and solar has had mass adoption uh, of solar, uh, you know, oh, well over 5% of, of, of utility clients uh, having it installed. And so what has happened now is the people that have uh, had, it's called net metering when you get a, a, a fee or a price for selling the electricity that your solar panels produce back into the grid. And now it's uh, reached such a critical mass that the people that have solar are seeing significantly lower rates and people that don't have solar um, are having inflated rates because mm. um, inflation is uh, real. Right. Well, there you go. And uh, the solar that you sell into the grid is at um, a fixed price of 25 cents a kilowatt hour. That's the net metering law. So now what California, it sounded to me like they're trying to do, far be it from me to pretend to be an expert. But um, when I read words, I sometimes take things away from them. What it sounded like they were trying to do is say, hey, if you got solar, uh, we're going to change this law. We're going to kind of pull the rug out from under your feet. And um, especially if you're wealthy, like they're basically saying that um, solar is exacerbating uh, wealth inequality. And um, that's just a little uh, too much jump in the shark <laughs> for me. Um, but it didn't seem fair, right? Because basically the state was saying, uh, we offered you this program to to put solar on your roof, and now we want to take it away. Uh, but they wanted to keep it going for uh, lower income uh, brackets would get the same twenty five cents, but wealthier people would get the market rate, which was just uh, three cents. And so, um, and also they want your uh, power at three cents because, and are you ready for this? They need it to stabilize the grid because of like the wire, the wildfires and, and the outages. And so it sounds like they're making a literal power grab is what it sounds like. Um, and so it, it caught my eye and I made it a point to, to read the article this morning. I'll probably end up uh, writing about it, but um, you know, for me, like for me the whole time, it just seemed glaringly obvious that, uh, a free market solution is the best solution. Why not um, let the market bear what the market will bear for the uh, price of solar electricity and everybody gets uh, paid the same. And then if you want to incent a lower income brackets, give them a, a tax break or a, a credit or something to, to subsidize their cost of installation, that's one thing. But why not just let the market bear uh, this like, true price discovery, right? Which you and I know doesn't exist in the uh, market anymore, but uh I'll wrap it up for you here. I'll bring it full circle. It's like, that's what's called a, a virtual power plant, right? When you can just uh, sell, sell into the market at a, 
at the then market rate, which, by the way, in the article I was reading about California didn't mention this, is something the FERC is trying to do. The Federal Energy Regulatory Commission has an order. I forget the number. Um, but they have an order that essentially does that. It, it says anybody can be a utility. You don't have to meet a threshold to be a utility. Um, like it's currently uh, in place. Anybody that wants to sell power into the grid can be a utility and do so at the uh, market rate. And so hopefully California gets uh, superseded here in some way. and We can just create a, a, a true free market system for uh, uh, power transactions, electricity sales. Um, and I would bet that... Um, you know, blockchain has something to do with that as well, like storing the transactions because we have the uh, capacity and the technology to do that now, right? Hmm. Hmm. Government being government, right? Oh, well, sure. They're here to help always. And so, yeah, if they could just uh, step out of the way, I think that mar the market would provide some uh, solutions. Yeah. And if you want me to, to go into Robin, <laughs> sorry, you got something yeah. to say? Well, I was just going to say, it's interesting to me that the government can print money out of thin air to buy, you know, Apple stock through ETFs and to buy treasury bonds. Um, but it can't find the means to provide quality infrastructure or electricity at market rates, or like you said, just get out of the way, right? It's it's clearly a power grab, like everything else. We'll talk about New York City's um, tax that they're proposing that looks like it's going to pass, but you know, it looks like the top marginal income tax rate in New York City is going to be 52%, Nick. Mm. It's insane. Half of the money you make. Good gracious. You, first six months of the year, you're working for Uncle Sam. Mm. Ouch. Flight to low tax jurisdictions, right? Which we've uh, also talked about. And did. <laughs> mm -hmm. You moved to Texas, you moved to Washington State. We bought houses out uh, in the country. Not a coincidence, folks. Again, we, we, we eat our own cooking, right? Yeah. And so what, what's what's the New York tax thing? I didn't see anything on that. Was it tied to the cannabis law? Is that what you said? Nope. So, so separate thing. So I found it interesting because, you know, kind of tying it all together the way my, my simple brain works and just making connections. It, it's clearly what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And in this case, it's just New York City needs some money. So they're going to go ahead and, you know, back off of um, marijuana arrest and convictions for small amounts of marijuana. So you can light up now in public and be all good to go. And obviously that to me anyway, it seems obvious to me that the city is setting itself up for another tax grab by allowing, um, you know, cannabis to be legal in New York city and selling it and charging all of the licensing fees and generating, um, tax revenue for the city through cannabis sales. Um, uh, that seems clear as day to me. And so then I look at the other side of it and again, you know, ultra high earners in New York city will now pay a top rate of about, of about nearly 52%. And, you know, this has been floated around before, but because of the hit, that New York City has taken due to COVID and the restrictions and, and everything else that went along with the past year, um, they now have, it looks like the political capital to actually get this passed. And so it'll affect those that earn above $1 million. And this is going to sound like a really first world kind of uppity thing to say, but in New York City, you know, if you're doing well, a million dollars is well within reach of, of of a lot of the people that live there. And so my problem is never with the rich paying their fair share. My problem is what do you do? What do you, the government do 
with that share, right? That's the part which never seems to end up shaking out in a way that's fair. It seems to be wasted to me most of the times by most government. Um, I will say, I, you know, I, I, I live in a part of the country and a part of the state of Texas that I actually don't mind paying what I, what I pay in taxes because of the fact that I see a clean city. I see maintained roads. I see infrastructure build out. I see quality schools for my kids and for the people around here. And so I don't have a problem paying that. But I tell you what, if I was in New York City, I would be very, very, very upset. And I don't think it's a coincidence. So many people are leaving to Florida, right? Oh, 100%. And uh, to piggyback on your point about where the money goes, um, the other questions I would have is like, um, well, what is fair? I don't mind paying my fair share either, but let's establish what's fair and and not try to grab over half someone's income, right? Which is uh, at least crazy to me. Um, and then what was the second point I was going to talk about there? Oh, it's, you know, it's differentiating, and, and I've said this for years, between, you know, the upper 10%, the upper 1%, and the upper like 0.01%, because there's a, a vast difference, like uh, that million becomes uh, a significantly higher threshold when you go from like 1% to 0.01%. And then um, I don't like talking about uh, taxing individuals and families as much as I do uh, talking about corporations mm. because, um, <laughs> you know, I, I pay my fair share and I pay it every year. And, and you want to talk about raising the rate. But I, what I see is, and Bernie Sanders had a tweet on this uh, in the past week, is these corporations continuing to offshore and continuing to domicile and do the Bahamas thing and the Swiss thing and the Ireland thing and pay literally zero in taxes and make billions in profits. Big corporations, right? Like Nike's multi-multi-billion dollar multi-national, uh, international corporations paying zero uh, in taxes. And so it seems to me like we should start uh, there. And this isn't like a, a socialism, anti-corporation, anti-capitalist type thing. I mean, I'm as a capitalist pig as the next guy. But uh, to pay zero dollars in taxes because you hired the most lawyers and lobbyists seems like an easy place to start rather than with the citizenry. And not to mention the, the 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 revenue that that would generate would be exponentially more than what you're going to get from the average Joe, right? Sure, sure. Because so I want to yeah. see more talk about the corporate taxes for sure. Absolutely, because it's not just Amazon; it's Facebook, it's Apple, it's I mean, you name all the big ones. And that list in that tweet, and I haven't fact checked all of it, but I tell you what, it was all the big corporations and. Again, I remember a joke by Chris Rock when he first came into money and he said, if people, if the average person realized what healthcare for the rich looks like and, and, and how many tax breaks I get and the things that I can do um, legally using loopholes and attorneys, they, they, there would be riots in the street, right? And, and I always think back to that because it spoke to you know access and wealth inequality and this was back in i think like 2000 1999 right ahead of its time obviously um like a lot of chris rock's humor but um yeah 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 troubling 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 don't like it you wanted to talk ipo access you wanted to talk robin hood and why getting or getting in early matters i do and um i said i was going to to send off some paperwork for a copper deal uh, later, that's like a private company. Uh, in fact, it's a subscription receipt that you know uh, won't even become a share until the the company is traded. So it's not even a, a publicly traded equity yet. And 
um, that's like eating up the the value chain, right? The higher mm. up the value chain, the earlier in the the deal's life, uh, the better, right? You get in at a lower valuation when the share structures are tighter at a, at a lower price. Uh, all that makes sense, and people are starting to uh, figure that out. It's no secret that over the past half decade, uh, the retail investors' interest in uh, private deals uh, has grown significantly, and um, commensurately commensurately with that growth the offerings um by wall street and and house street and um brokers and non-brokers uh, like non uh stock deals uh, as far as uh crowdsourcing platforms are concerned all that has grown right along with it um because investors realize, uh, obviously, the earlier you can get in, the better. And that's why we've seen more and more interest in all these IPOs and more and more interest um, in all these SPACs. And, um, of course, it's going to continue to um, uh, go, right, as this bubble continues to go. And so I just wanted to touch in on uh, where we are now because um, – Obviously, there's different tiers of deals. Uh, crowdsourcing deals continue to be very uh, popular. Regulation uh, D deals, regulation A deals, regulation A plus deals. And you have to be very careful when looking at these deals because you have to make sure that, in fact, the company is uh, trying to go public and uh, in a time frame that your private shares aren't going to get diluted to hell by the time the, the <laughs> stock is, is trading, right? And so... Um, for me, like crowdsourcing, uh, we're a private deal and then we're staying private indefinitely. We don't know what the go public strategy is. Like those are all no-nos, right? Because you're just putting your money to bed and, and uh, you don't know when you're going to get it back. But some of the things I'm seeing, sorry, uh, to beat around the bushes, um, now we want to create a market for like Robinhood wants to offer access to um, IPOs. If you have $3,000 or more in your account, uh, Robinhood and then this other uh platform that's going to IPO soon called Social Finance, SoFi, um, are going to offer you access to to IPO trading. And um, <laughs> for just if you have $3,000 in your account, now that's not accredited, right? We know what the definition of, of accredited is to participate in uh, true private deals. So I guess really the heart of what I'm saying is that there's myriad tiers and levels of, of private deals, and it's very easy to put uh, lipstick on a pig, and it's very easy to say uh, you're getting in private and not say that it's going to stay private for a very long time. Um, and so um, if you want to do real private placements, you need someone who can get you access to that uh of course and i'm gonna do a shameless plug but that's what i've been doing for a long time <laughs> I say now. i know a guy <laughs> and that's what i'm doing today to to make it not a pointless story just not entirely shameless i mean i'm going to participate in the copper private placement that uh, i expect to come to trade at a higher valuation than uh, i'm getting in now right and that's what this uh whole game is about and so um, you're going to see lots more IPOs. You're going to see lots more SPAC deals. You're going to see uh, lots more discount and online brokerage offering access to things that uh, seem fancy, trying to entice you to, to go up that uh, value chain. But ultimately, um, 
the real way to get in private deals is to write checks into into private placements or private companies that are uh, going public via a, a transaction that's already been arranged, right? Uh, uh, a reverse takeover, um, uh, merging into a shell or, or some other arrangement, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's all about access. It's all about network. I've said it a million times. I'll say it again. I think, you know, your service, your, your accredited service for private deals um, is, is among the best, if not the best in the space that people can buy into. I encourage everybody, everybody that is looking to participate in private deals to look at Mr. Hodge's service. It is top notch. I have personally done very well with it. You, Nick, of course, have done very well with it. And I know you've made a lot of money for a lot of subscribers and will continue to do so a lot in the works on that front. Um, I, I, I want to circle back just really quick, just really quick. Cause I pulled up the tweet from Bernie Sanders and, and here's a tweet cost to consumers, Nike Air Max, two seventies, $150 basic package for dish network, 64 99 FedEx, large box delivery, $20 zoom pro monthly membership, 14 99. Right. And then we go federal income taxes paid in 2020 Nike. Zero. Dish Network. Zero. FedEx. Zero. Zoom. Zero. That is insane. And that is not right. And that needs to be fixed. And before government goes and tries to take, you know, average Joe or Granny Smith's uh, pension and retirement and Social Security and paycheck we need to have a tax code that is fair because that is absolutely rigged. And again, I am like you, Nick. I am as pro-capitalist, pro-Second Amendment, pro-all you know all of that as, as, as you are. But this is bullshit. Yeah, for corporations to pay zero dollars in, in taxes uh, when they want to be uh, and are is in the in the eyes of the Supreme Court people uh, and to have the sway over government that they have, uh, which is why they're allowed to pay zero dollars. It's it's like you said, it's just not right. And and for those of you thinking, hey, maybe it's a one off because of COVID. FedEx has done this three years in a row. This is the game, right? This isn't a a one off or a, a relief because of COVID that all corporations got. They've done this three years in a row. They're making billions in profits. Insanity. Absolutely. Yeah, insanity. Did you know that our capital was attacked again, or there was another attack on the capital this week? I I did I did uh, I don't know the details. Um, someone rammed a car or something. Is that right? Noah Green, a knife wielding man, killed after ramming his car into a checkpoint at the U.S. Capitol. Um, the guy was a former college athlete, former football player, um, who, as we often see, right, uh, had some mental health issues. Um, you know, I'll put a link up to the article. He he was a follower of uh, the Nation of Islam, and 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 I only bring that up because I've noticed that the last two, um, what I would think, uh, incidents this week and last that that that, that should have gotten more publicity. Um, the media, the mainstream media, hasn't really put it out there. Yes, it's out there. I'm reading it obviously on Newsweek and, and the New York Times, but it sure in the heck hasn't been. Um, brought up the way some of the other mass shootings was. There, there, there was just a horrific, horrific shooting yesterday uh, by a former NFL player, right? And so here's the link, right? Both of these, uh, both of these guys were were football players at one point, 
Um, but Philip Adams, I don't know if you you read this, but he's accused of killing five people, um, including his doctor, the doctor's wife, two of their grandchildren, um, and then he took his own life. And so, again, I caught this article in passing, and I couldn't believe that something as horrific as this wasn't like on the front page of everything. One, just because of how horrific it is. And two, um, because of the common links here, right? Uh, the, 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 the football background, the mental health issues. I think, you know, there's an ob- obviously horrific, horrific, horrific. And obviously these guys don't deserve any kind of excuse and no kind of cop out. Accountability is accountability. But I think, you know, there's an opportunity here again, just to have a broader discussion discussion about mental health and how we look at it in this country. And, you know, both the families of these attackers um, both said that they were good people that have had issues mentally in the past couple of years. And, and you know, both said that football kind of messed them up is kind of what the family is pointing to here. So again, no excuse. Heart goes out to the families of anybody involved in the Capitol attack. Um, another police officer was killed. Um, uh, yeah, again, I, I sound like a broken record every week. We got to do better, right? And then people get upset that I say we got to do better as if <laughs> I'm calling for people to not have any rights. But anyhow, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I think the fact that both of these attackers were black, I think the fact that both of these attackers um, had a football background, I, I, I think there's a reason there why the media hasn't blown this up as much. I think if it was what, what what's typical in this country, which is, you know, white males with histories of mental health illness attacking churches, minorities, um, uh, you name it, schools, right? That That's kind of been the norm in this country for the past 40 years or so. I think it would have got a lot more publicity because there's already a narrative there. And I think because this didn't fit that narrative, it's not getting the publicity. And again, it's 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 a slippery slope, people, when when we decide, you know, what 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 really deserves attention and what doesn't, and we start making those decisions based on on gender or race or religious belief or whatever the case may be. And and it's something that I think we should watch, and it's something that we should hold media accountable for. Um, look, my brother's a journalist. I think he does some of the best work because it's fact-based. It's not, you know, these aren't opinion pieces. These are very well thought out research pieces. Of course, I'm biased because he's my brother. But I think we need more of that kind of work and less of the kind of work that is uh, opinion-based and and, and 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 not rooted on 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 merit. Um, anyhow, yeah, that that that's that's <laughs> the it's America this past week, right? A simple observation I made is that the uh, uh, white Muslim wasn't killed at the scene and the the, the, the black Muslim uh, was. And the other one is just sad. It looks like that's a pretty recently breaking story that I just read while you were speaking there. And, and that's just sad. It, I mean, it's to kill a nine-year-old and a, and a five-year-old is... Fucking heartbreaking. Uh, I mean, yeah, it sounds that's definitely some uh, mental stuff. It sounds like there, and so um, but I read today also there's some executive orders coming on uh, gun ownership from President Biden. We'll see how um, well we'll see how toothless they are because typically that's that's what happens, and uh, I think it's larger than a gun issue, which I, which was your point. <laughs> 
A- absolutely. Hey, let, let, let's get right into it. All this is breaking kind of as we speak, right? The shooting happened yesterday. Uh, Mr. Biden, President Biden is on TV right now um, talking about what he's proposing. Here's what he's proposing. He wants to direct the Justice Department to propose a rule within 30 days to help stop the proliferation of ghost guns, which are firearms assembled from kits that often lack serial numbers and are difficult to trace. I don't see an issue with that. Do you, Nick? Any word on ghost kitchens? Is he going to ban cosmic wings as well? <laughs> we got to go one thing at a time. <laughs> <laughs> any any issues with, you know, wanting to stop the proliferation of ghost guns? I mean, we, we want to be able, we, we want to legally own our weapons and we want to be able to trace them and we want responsible gun owners, right? I don't think that's, I don't think that's, abusive do you see do you have an issue there do you see an issue there do you see a potential conflict there i don't see an issue other than it's not the issue <laughs> agreed I mean, and, and, yep, and that was a gonna, straw man so absolutely and that was going to be my next point let's see how many of these matter so the second directive is to craft a rule within 60 days that clarifies the point at which a stabilizing arm brace effectively turns a pistol into a short barreled rifle subjecting the firearm to an additional regulation again is that the issue I don't believe so. I don't, I don't believe so either. Let's go with the third one. So we call bullshit on the first two. Um, direct the D- Department of Justice to publish within 60 days model red flag legislation, which lets law enforcement officers or family members ask a court to temporarily bar someone from accessing guns under certain circumstances. Let me reread that. Well, let, me, it, let me hear. Yeah, yeah. Because my initial reaction is, fuck that. Um Within 60 days, publish model red flag legislation, which lets law enforcement officers or family members ask a court to temporarily bar someone from accessing guns under certain circumstances. Devil's always in the details. I would like to know what those certain circumstances Mm. are. The White House. And I don't like the law enforcement. I would would rather it family family with the... uh, Yes. Under the under the advisor under the advisement of a medical professional. The White House says the model legislation will make it easier for states to pass their own versions of that law. So second question there, of course, is, you know, does does the federal model of that legislation supersede any state law that's passed? Because we've seen that in the past with, you know, a variety and host of issues where it's convenient for the feds in some cases to ignore state law and 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 come in and prosecute under federal law. And then there's other cases where it clearly turns a blind eye and lets the states do whatever they want to do, right? Yeah. And um, you have to be willing to have a, a a rational conversation. You have to be willing to concede some things, right? So like the first two things are just stupid. Like nobody's killing people <laughs> with ghost guns, man. Like it's not about like how far your stock pulls out, you know, like that's not like, you know, guns kill people no matter how many bullets are in them and know how much, how, how much long the stock is. Right. Um, and so the third one is, is more relevant. Although, um, like I said, um, I wouldn't want law enforcement making that decision in any capacity. I wouldn't want to give them the authority to do so. However, um, if you do want to address, uh, the mental health thing, uh, then you have to rely on families in some capacity. 
um, I because like that they're part. the yep. ones that, that, that witnessed the day to day, right? You know, some law enforcement person is not going to know that uh, this former cornerback is, is having a, a mental breakdown or whatever. Right. So anyway, that's, I don't want their, that to become a loophole or a thing that they can use to um, take weapons from people, right. Whenever they feel like. And so um, I would, I would say that, you know, uh, red flag laws when confined to the family. And again, with uh, in consultation with a medical professional, yes. not, um, I had a fight with my husband and I'm, I'm calling about red flag laws, like not that kind of stuff. Right. It has to be, um, with medical professionals and here again is where it's a good chance to exclude law enforcement for it from from things where they don't need to be included right that lead to situations uh where cops are doing things where uh you know they feel uh, my air quotes are up threatened right that can mm. go the wrong way and so a perfect place really uh to bring in social workers and med- medical professionals to a problem where we can rely less on law enforcement and should want to rely less on law enforcement yes <laughs> yes and the last one is hilarious to me uh, because we talked about gun trafficking into mexico by the U.S. government last week. Um, The last uh, directive would be to direct the DOJ, the Department of Justice, to issue a comprehensive report on gun trafficking. I'm sure it'll be. What if it's authored by a rogue agent? Well, let let, let me tell you who's going to be authoring it, right? The the Department of Justice and um, Biden announced that he's nominating former federal agent David Chipman to head the ATF, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. I'm 25 years experience, senior policy advisor for the Gun Control Advocacy Group. Um, I, I'm not familiar with the gentleman, so I won't hit, accuse him of being part of the same system that floods Mexico with guns. But um, a comprehensive report on gun trafficking? How, how, how comprehensive? You know, I have a lot of family in Chicago, spent my childhood there. Um, I, you know, it, it's home in my heart. Um, everybody knows where the guns come from. Like when the gangbangers or the cartels or they come from Indiana, <laughs> Chicago's got some of the strictest gun laws well, in the country. You just drive funny. next door to the gun show and get a bag of a hundred guns. This is not a secret. We don't need a comprehensive report. We don't need a meeting about a meeting about a meeting. Everybody, we need to do something. We need to be smarter. We need to address the real underlying issues that contribute to these things. And if a comprehensive report on gun trafficking is what gets you off, then maybe you really aren't looking to address the root cause. You're just looking to pretend to. And, you know, I'll wait and see. I'll wait and see what comes of this. But <laughs> four of the five things we, we we put out there sound like, you know, straw men, right? And, and, and the fifth one wants to let law enforcement be able to enforce more, which I, I'm not for. Um, that's my take. Yeah, no, that's a smart take. The a report is uh, not going to reduce anything, and uh, you know, really, one of the things that 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 would do more to to reduce uh, at least drug related crime, violent crime, and 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 gun crime and trafficking is to uh, give the ATF more authority not over firearms, but to let them regulate cannabis like they do tobacco and take it away from the DEA. That would be something I would uh, uh, be more interested in hearing about. Agreed. 100%. Um, <laughs> let, let's pivot a little bit. I, I, I found this funny. We talked about um, private capital being 
more and more involved in in everything, right? From collectibles to sneakers to you know NFTs, you name it. There's a lot of capital that's looking for a friendly home and a lot of assets that are inflating, to say the least. And so it was it was, it was somewhat ironic and funny to me that GameStop is is has just announced a new chairman is getting a new chairman and it's 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 the gentleman that kind of kicked off the whole GameStop mania thing it was the major fund that you know kind of squeezed the shorts out along with Reddit so it's interesting to me with Robinhood going public and you know er- everything that's going on in the markets that this is who GameStop decided to name as new chairman though hey in fairness to him he has done what GameStop needs to do which is pivot to a a more of an e-presence, right? An e-commerce presence as opposed to brick and mortar, something that my 23-year-old told me three or four years ago. He's like, oh, they're going to go out of business soon. I don't know how they how, how they're going to compete. Everything's streaming now. Everything's downloaded. Why would you go into GameStop to buy a game? It's dumb, right? And so, um, yeah, interesting times. It's a bizarre world out there, folks. I don't know what to tell you. I thought you were going to say that it was uh, they they had they got a redditor to be the chairman. <laughs> That's what I thought. I, I would have just believed it. I would have been like, okay. I was just going to say, Nick, that could happen, and it would be completely plausible in 2021 that that was the case. Um, it's a wonky time, man. It's a wonky time. Anything you're watching for in the market this week before we before we let everyone go here? Just on the GameStop thing is that. Um, you know, like a true junior stock, uh, they're taking advantage <laughs> of these swings to raise money, right? And Smart. so the guy, and I didn't really know this about today becoming the chairman, but I w- I'm pretty sure, and I'll have to double check, um, that the Chewy CFO left a couple of weeks, or maybe a month or two ago. To, he left Chewy, which has had a rapid ascension, yep. uh, to go to, to go to GameStack. I think it might be the same individual, and same now he's individual. already gone. So he's already gone from CFO to chairman. This guy's got the sauce, huh? Yeah, yeah, apparently, we're going to find out, apparently, and so are the shorts. I mean, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, – and, and again, Ryan Cohen is his name. He's a Chewy co-founder. And look, the guy's done it. The guy's done it before. So I I, I think there comes a point where you, you can only be, you know, so wealthy and, and have so much money. And then after that, it just kind of becomes – you know, one of two things or, or, or maybe both, you know, you want to put people in a position to succeed and you get a kick out of seeing people be successful. And I think, you know, I think that's one, one side to it. But then the other one is you just want to see if you can do it, um, at a place that no one else is willing to take on. Right. And GameStop for a lot of people, um, has been kind of a dead end as far as executives go. And so, uh, game on, let's see if, uh, let's see if Mr. Cohen's able to get over there and, uh, turn that around in a meaningful way, right? I, I'm interested to see. Yeah, I mean, it's got to reinvent itself as a company, right? It can't just uh, live and die by the meme. Live and die by the meme. <laughs> 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 That's all I got. Look, we had some news uh, this week that, that 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 I think bodes well for future exploration and results. And 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 we're on alert. I've, I've highlighted New Plaster Dome Gold and Nevada Sunrise almost every week because there was a six, seven, eight month delay with the labs, and we all assumed that the delay was because results weren't good or 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 other reasons. But you know, it actually looks like it really was the labs were getting some results. And look, they're missing on some holes, but where they're hitting is, is informing the drilling. And, and they had some really good numbers 
this past week. Um, you know, we, we, we now wait for 13 more holes and anything that hits moving forward will be a brand new discovery. We had mentioned before that there were whispers of good oxide numbers near the pits. That proved to be true. Again, there's whispers that there may be a new discovery or two in a different area. If there is a new discovery or two in a new area, that bodes well because the grades of both the oxide, the past producing oxide pits, and the, the, the stuff at depth has been pretty high grade in lower gold price environments. So in the context of 1757 gold, that bodes well for a future resource base increase and exciting exploration in 2021. We'll see. I think in the next couple of weeks, we get some more results. One day when gold is not dumb again, people might care. Gold is dumb. (laughs) (laughs) That was the fund manager analysis. (laughs) Can't make it up. It was, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I like it. We're almost at the bottom, everybody. Stay patient. In the meantime, uranium's doing great. Copper's doing well. We're killing it with those names. Um, and, you know, I'm taking a little bit off the table of, of, on some of those names and, and putting them into some of the more depressed uh, gold names and, and, and some depressed copper names. Uh, you know, I sent an alert out to subscribers yesterday. You'll get this in three or four days. So I'll tell you now, you know, I think Regulus Resources is you know, not just a great trade. I think it's it's one of those trades you just buy and you just wait for it to be bought out. You have mines that surround it that are running out of ore. You have Regulus, which has a whole ton of exactly the type of ore those mines need in order to continue to be mines. Um, it's a massive resource with massive exploration upside, a team that has monetized an asset for $650 million they all say this is a better asset. And here the company sits with a market cap of, you know, like $105 million or so backed up with a ton of cash. So um, you want a good speculation? Regulus is a good speculation. R-E-G on the venture exchange. There you go. Uh, Free tip. If I had to pick something I was looking at, I guess I... um... It's boring, Gerardo. I, I was buying some more Exxon this morning, and so oil slipped below $60, I noticed. And uh, I don't think that lasts for long, given the uh, uh, current inflation of, of commodities. And so uh, oil is something I think is, is is a buy here, or oil stocks. Agreed. Agreed. I like it. That's all I got, Mr. Hodge. Anything else to add? That's it. Looking forward to being back at it in full capacity next week. Um uh, there's a lot of opportunity in this market, both um, like you were just saying, taking gains from uh, things that are in bubbles and positioning in, in things that are getting set to run and um, just getting ready to um, tackle the second quarter in uh, in earnest. Excited for it. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with Mr. Nick Hodge and Bruno. This was episode 112 of Bizarro World. Be kind to each other. Look out for each other. Stay safe out there. Say goodbye to everybody, Nick. Sit, Bruno. Sit. Good dog.